today to look at the subject of lies. And particularly, I'm going to take us through um, what I think are three of some of the, the biggest, greatest lies that have ever been told. Okay? Hold that thought. But by way of uh, introduction of the theme, I wondered, do we have any fans of uh, Celebrity MasterChef? Yeah? Anybody under the age of, let's say, 15? Anybody know who that is? Anybody know? No? Anybody over the age of 15 know who it is? Jim Moyer. Jim Moyer. Well, you see, that's right, but to people of a certain age, it's actually Vic Reeves. Yeah? And uh, I saw a, a tweet the other day from Tony Three Pies, who says, just found out that Vic Reeves is a stage name. My whole life has been a lie. Well, Tony Three Pies, that might be a little bit extreme, but it might be closer to the truth than actually um, she thinks. Because we live in a world that, let's be honest, is full of lies. I had a bit of an experience the other day, and uh, to protect the innocent, I've blanked out uh, um, the logo, but um, I was getting uh, our car ready for MOT, um, the, the other weekend, and in, in replacing one of the parts, another bit broke, and I, I needed this part on, on the Saturday, um, ready for the MOT on the Monday. Um, so I thought I'd go down to this certain uh, European-based uh, uh, entity that uh, is the uh, seller of uh, parts for cars, and um, they, they have the strap line, any part for any car. So I thought, great, fantastic. Let's go in there. I just need a track rod end and a little bit for the suspension uh, uh, torsion bar. So I went up. It's for a Citroen Saxo. It's a European car. Good. Pretty common. Could I have these parts, please? Oh, we don't stock those. Hmm. So much for any part for any car. And, and my son Joshua and I, we often kind of play this game with adverts that we see on TV and go, that can't possibly be true, the thing that they're claiming there. We often feel like writing in, but uh, never get round to it. Anyway, there's lots of things in this world that aren't quite what they seem to be on the face of it. So we're going to have a look at the whole subject of, of lies. And uh, any kids, have you ever been told by your parents, if you tell a lie, your nose grows? Yeah. It's a total lie. <laughs> but you know what? Lies are pretty easy to tell, aren't they? Anybody told a lie? Anybody not told a lie? Because <laughs> that would be the first one. But l lies, unfortunately, are pretty easy to tell. They can sometimes be used to get you out of trouble. Yeah? Now, there's a story told of some students who wanted to wag off from a lecture. So they decided to, there's four of them, they decided to um, uh, go out for the morning in their car, but as an excuse, they would tell their teacher that they'd broken down, they'd had a flat tire, it took ages for the uh, um, rescue service to come and replace it, and that's why they were late. So the four of them uh, uh, march into the lecture and go, sorry, 
really sorry. Um, you know, uh, we had this flat tire and uh, all kinds of problems, but we're here now. And, she, and the teacher said, no problem, no problem. You've missed a test this morning, but it's okay. We'll sit the test now. So just uh, sit yourselves down and make yourselves comfortable. So they thought, yes, we got away with it. And the teacher said, right, the first question, which tire was it? You see, lies can get you out of trouble. They can be used as as an excuse, but they can get you into trouble as well. Lies are pretty easy to justify, aren't they? You know, sometimes we might say, well, we'll use lies as an excuse of getting out of an awkward situation. Men, husbands, when your wife asks you, does my backside look big in this? Lies are easy to justify. (laughs) And everyone does it, don't they? We've already said, right? We've all told a lie at some time in our past. And even people in the Bible told lies. Can anybody think of somebody in the Bible who is uh, known to have told lies? Anybody? Peter, yeah. Peter told lies. He said, I don't know um, this man you're talking about when he was challenged um, after the, uh, the, uh, just before the crucifixion as to whether he knew Jesus or not. And that uh, caused him real heartache. Anybody else? David told lies. Yeah. Abraham told a lie. Yeah. He told uh, a lie about who Sarah was. He pretended um, that uh, she was his sister and not his wife. Rahab, the prostitute, told lies. And all of these guys were commended for the things they did, but not for the fact that they'd lied. You see, God hates lies. What's the eighth commandment? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, I was really unfair there. No, the eighth one is actually don't steal. <laughs> but the ninth commandment is don't lie. Don't bear false witness. And that's repeated in Leviticus where it says don't steal, don't lie, do not deceive one another. And in Colossians 3, if you just thought it was an Old Testament instruction, Colossians 3 says don't lie to each other. Because you've taken off your old self, you've put on um, the new, and you're renewed in the knowledge, uh, in, in knowledge, in the image of your Creator. And elsewhere in the Bible, it says it's impossible for God to lie. Right? God is truth. Do you believe that? Seventy-eight times. In the New Testament, Jesus is recorded as starting things with, I tell you the truth. 78 times. The truth is really, really important to God. He hates lies. Now, it's been mentioned before from here that in uh, uh, last year was the year um, of, uh, uh, the word of the year was post-truth. Yep, you've heard of that? And post-truth really means that uh, your feelings are more important than facts. 
what you feel about something, what you believe about something, actually trumps what, what is reality. That is such a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Because you can't trust your feelings. Feelings are, are, are kind of very transient and, and temporary. But we live in a world so-called of post-truth. Now, do you think this is a new phenomenon? So here's a guy, uh, some of you may have heard of, Blaise Pascal, uh, says, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love the truth, we cannot know it. Do you know when Blaise Pascal, well, do you know who he was and when he lived? Sorry? Well, he was a very clever mathematician, absolutely, and uh, an inventor. He lived in the 1600s. And back in the 1600s, he recognized that truth was so obscure, it was so hard to understand what the truth was, you've really got to search for it. And uh, I don't really like quoting Lenin in in a sermon, but Lenin said, and I believe him absolutely, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. Yeah? If we listen to something enough, it kind of becomes our reality. And really, that's what post-truth is about. If you absorb something enough, it becomes reality. And it's almost like you've got this kind of pull between um, truth and, uh, um, uh, and lies. Poor Homer Simpson there. But you see, what we're up against is what John 8 tells us. The devil, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Whilst God is absolute truth and God cannot stand lies, the devil... Is, has lies as his native language. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. Now, of those characters on either side of Homer Simpson's uh, head, which one's meant to represent the devil? Sorry? <laughs> the, yeah. Red or white, which one? The red one. Well, you might think that, but do you know what the Bible says? In 2 Corinthians, it says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Satan pretends to be something good. Satan pretends to be the truth so that we're fooled into uh, believing what he says and not what the truth is. That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? And do you know what? In this world today, we live in a world of... uh, kind of virtual reality and experience. You've all seen the advert about the ostrich who uh, gets his, uh, uh, accidentally, his Samsung virtual reality headset on and suddenly he realizes he can fly, right, because of that experience. You've seen that advert, yeah? And, you know, sometimes we live in a world that is so kind of wrapped up in this kind of virtual, what might be uh, uh, feelings-based stuff that it's hard to understand what is truth and what is falsehood. And there's a concept called uh, the bubble, right? You heard of this? Many of us live our lives in an information bubble. We see information filtered through social media like Facebook or Twitter, internet searches and news and opinion sources that often reflect our viewpoints. Right, what this means is that, I don't know if you're aware, but big internet search engines, they know an awful lot about you, yeah? They know the kind of things that you like and they know the kind of things that you read and they throw all this stuff at you, right? So once you start down one path, 
Very quickly, you get stuff that just reinforces that all the time. Right? So if you start thinking, well, I believe in a certain thing, they latch onto that and go, right, I'm going to um, uh, throw all these things. And quickly, you know, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. We have to be really, really careful uh, what we absorb. And do you know what? The Bible warns us about this. Right? Just look at some of the words here from 2 Timothy. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them uh, a great number of teachers, whether that's real teachers or online teachers, I guess, to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So, by way of introduction, I just want to make it very clear that we live in a world that is very hard to understand what is truth and what is lies. And I'm going to look at three of um, the, uh, the, the greatest lies that I think uh, influence this world. Not in terms of the, the magnitude of the, the falsehood, but in terms of the consequences that they have for us. Lie number one. You're an accident. Do you know, a lot of people believe that all this that we see is just an accident. It's the result of a a big bang where, you know, by uh, some kind of freak of probability, um, stuff came together and uh, interacted and, and created all this. Yeah? A lot of people live their lives around the fact that actually there is no plan, there is no purpose... It's just a fluke of probability. We're very lucky. It just happened to come into being. You know, the definition of, the accident, of an accident, according to uh, the dictionary, is something bad that happens, that's not expected or intended, and that often damages something or injures somebody. And in my experience... When you have an accident, it usually ends up in, uh, in a mess. Would you agree with that? Yep. So to live our lives thinking that all this is just an accident, to me it just doesn't make sense. You know, how could it be that we're an accident? And do you know what God says? And remember, we said before, God is, doesn't lie. He is absolute truth. He says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what's been made, that's all of us, so that people are without excuse. You know, there is no excuse to think that all this is an accident. That's what God says. When you honestly look at the marvel of creation, how can you possibly think that it's an accident? And yet, tell that lie often enough, and it becomes the truth. And God says elsewhere, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever to be praised. Amen.
don't get duped by the lie that we're an accident. We're made with a plan and a purpose. We're special. We're designed. We are created. And I just want to use a bit of an example. Very simple egg. Yeah. Maybe you had one for breakfast. Right? If we're an accident, it's really hard to answer the question, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I'd go further than that. I'd say it's more than hard. It's impossible. You see, if you just had a chicken without uh, the ability to lay an egg, how could they reproduce? What would cause the next chicken to come along? If you just had an egg... What's going to sit on the egg to give it that warmth, to nurture it? And anyway, what's inside the egg to tell it that it needs to grow into a chicken? Do you see the problem? It can't be an accident. And when you look inside an egg, I don't know if you've ever thought about this as you crack your egg to, uh, to fry it or scramble it or poach it for breakfast. It is absolutely miraculous. Right? There's this shell that is actually remarkably strong. Right? Remarkably strong. But it's breathable, so it lets bad gases out and it lets uh, oxygen in so that the chick that's forming inside can breathe. It has everything in there that it needs for a chick to grow and develop and survive. It's got the protein that it needs. It's got all the DNA that tells this um, uh, uh, the, the, the first cell that's in the egg yolk to grow into a fluffy yellow chicken. It's got even special shock absorbers around the yolk. Do you see that? That attaches the yolk to the top and the bottom to stop the yolk getting damaged if the, sh if the egg gets shaken around. It's got a little air sac at the top that grows uh, as, uh, as the chick develops to, uh, to stop the thing imploding or, uh, or exploding, to stop the, the shell cracking prematurely. It's got a little um, kind of inside lining to stop bacteria getting through and infecting it. Without any of those things, the, sh the egg would not develop into a chick. Isn't that incredible? And this is just a simple egg. The Bible tells us that before you were formed... And actually, at one point, you were all an egg, yeah? Not quite like that. <laughs> quite as big as that. But God saw our unformed bodies. All our days were written out, if you like, in God's mind. You're not an accident. You are a carefully planned, wonderful uh, purpose of God. And Psalm 139 tells us that we should praise God because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're not a set of random particles that happen to come together. And if you're still not sure that uh, you're not an accident, not only when you were being formed in your mother's womb did God see you, he chose us before the creation of the world. Before God even put the world together, he chose us. So, don't fall for the, the lie that you're an accident.
So we're back to um, three of the greatest lies ever told. We've uh, done number one, uh, and that lie is that you're an accident. Do number two and number three now. Now, um, number two might be a bit of a shock to some of you. So brace yourselves. Lie number two is you are a good person. Sorry to kind of throw a dampener on it, but you're not a good person. No matter what you might think. A man once came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response was, Why do you call me good? There is no one good except God. Now, Jesus was not for a minute suggesting that he himself was not good in making that response. What he wanted to do was get that man to think about the statement that he was making. And what did he really understand by the word good and who he was talking to? You see, Jesus said there's no one good except God, but Jesus was God. Isaiah, unfortunately, tells us all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even the best things you do are worthless. It's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Psalm 53.3 says, Everyone has turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Let me just illustrate my point, and I'm going to need to have uh, some help here. So I wonder if I could have two people who are willing to, uh, to help me with this. Any volunteers? Come on, I must have two young people who are willing to help. No takers? Come on then. Come down. Bring a mate. Yes, Sarah, you... Who's coming? Elizabeth, are you coming? Come on then. It's not difficult. Oh, well done. Great. Good job. Right. Now, I want you to imagine this is us, right? Okay? We often think that, uh, um, you know, we're, we're, our life's a bit of a balance, isn't it? A bit of a weighing act. Some for you. So, it's, it's a bit like we've got, this is our bad side. Sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> and this is our good side, okay? So, do you want to put, uh, put one in, in the bad side there? And that kind of weighs us down a little bit. You're not going to reach, are you? <laughs> but we think that if we do a couple of good things, can you put a couple in, in the good side? That kind of redresses the balance, Yep. And now we're good, yep. So we kind of think, and we live our lives as if, so long as we do more good things than bad things, we're okay. Do you find that with people? Yeah? Do you know people who... Put some more things on the bad side. A couple of them. Put another one in. Do you know people who you think are bad people? Yeah? I'm sure you can name some. 
through history, there's been some pretty bad people, haven't there? Yeah? Put a couple in there. Another one. Do you know people who are very good people, do you think? Yeah, lots of people think, you know, when people say uh, um, they're a good person. Often Mother Teresa is somebody that comes to mind, you know, somebody who does good. Do you think it's really like that? Let's start again. Elizabeth, do you want to put a, a bad one in? Right. So, how about putting just one good thing in? Hmm. Put another one in? Hmm. Another one? You see, actually what it's like is no matter how much good stuff we do, it doesn't change. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. They're corrupt, their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. And I think if you tie that back to the first lie about people thinking that we're an accident, if you say there's no God, then how do you know what a good act is? And the trouble is, even if there is a God we can see that no matter how much good we do, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And there is no one good except God. No matter how much good stuff you do, it ain't going to change. Do you remember our egg? It's a good egg. It is a good egg. Do you know what? When God created the world... What did he say when he saw it? It's good. All that he'd made, he made perfect. He made it good. But we fall, don't we? (laughs) What's happened, Elizabeth? bit of an accident there. What's happened? I don't get my breakfast. You don't get your breakfast. (laughs) I tell you what, guys. Would you like, please, to go and put that back together again for me? (laughs) No? Surely, if you work really hard, right, and you're really good at it, you could put that back together. Could you? No, I can't. can't Why not? But you see, surely we think that if we do good things, we can fix that that's bad. No? Do you see the problem with sin? Just one fall, and humanly, it's irrecoverable. There's no way all the king's horses and all the king's men ain't going to put that egg back together again. Yeah? No matter what. And it's the same with the bad things in our lives. You know, God is so pure that even one little thing that we do wrong spoils it. And no matter what we try and do, we can't balance that out. 
So don't fall for lie number two, that you're a good person. We've all fallen. Just wait there for a minute, because I'll need you again. Is that okay? You're not going to fix the egg, are you? No, I'm not going to. No? I actually fell yesterday. (laughs) Lie number three is it doesn't matter. So what? If I'm an accident, then ultimately I'm accountable to nobody. And do you know what? It doesn't matter whether I do good things or whether I do bad things. I'm only accountable to myself. It doesn't matter. Do you hear people who say that kind of thing? And do you know what? This is very much a symptom of the post-truth age. If it feels right to me, if I believe it, if it's okay with me, then it's good. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And do you know what? This is very much a biblical principle because the church at Corinth was warned that if you have the attitude that goes something like this, well... You know, if the dead are not raised, if there is no eternal life, if there is no God, if Jesus never um, rose from the dead, then let's eat and drink, because tomorrow we die. Right? That's the attitude that a lot of people have. It doesn't matter, really, what we do with our lives. And first, Peter warns, um, have a look at this later, there's a lot of text, a bit of homework for you. But uh, Peter warns that... uh, You know, you've got to understand that in the last days, there'll be people who just pursue what they want, their own evil desires, Peter says. And they'll scoff at the church and going and say, well, you know, where's this second coming that uh, that was promised? Where's all this truth? You know, everything just goes on as it was. Because they deliberately forget that God's in charge. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens and the earth. And then Jesus um, goes on to warn that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. People, and if you read on that passage, it just goes, and people were eating and drinking and, and getting married and doing all the things that they normally did when Noah was building the ark, and they deliberately ignored the warnings. And in his pride, the wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there's no room for him. People say it doesn't matter. So the reason I picked these three lies was not because of the magnitude of the whoppingness of them. It was because of the magnitude of the consequences for us. If we believe those lies, there are significant consequences. And do you know what? It matters an awful lot to us what we think about who we are, where we came from and what we do. You see, one day, whether you like it or not, whether you believe in God or not, whether you think you're an accident or not, whether you believe you're a good person or not, one day, each of us will give an account to God. It says that in the Bible. If God is truth, he's not going to lie, God cannot lie, one day, we will all give an account of ourselves to God. I wonder what that's going to be like. You see... 
Revelation warns that there's a destiny for certain people. And in that list, you can see there, you know, those who don't believe, those who lie. There is an unpleasant eternal destiny for those. It matters an awful lot to us what we believe. But you know what? It also matters a lot to God. Let's go back to our balance. You see, this is how we think of ourselves. But I wonder whether actually life is a a little bit better than that. Because, as if by magic, let me just remove some of those things. You see, we live our lives sometimes by, you know, if I've just done that and it's just a small thing, but if I just did this, that was a good thing, it would be all right. Yeah, we live our lives like that somehow. That's us. But if we bring Jesus into the equation, right, things get quite, quite a bit different. You see, Jesus paid a price for us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his son to die for us. And you see, now, Elizabeth, if you want to put some bad stuff in there, put some more in. Put some more in. Put some more in. See, it doesn't matter how bad we are as people. God still loves us. He died for us. And we might think we're good people and we're told to do good things. Yeah, the Bible encourages us to do good things, so let's do some good stuff. It doesn't make a heap of the difference. It's not about what we do. It's about Jesus. And it's not about, well, we've just done this, so if I only did this, I'd be okay. You see, in Jesus, I'm justified. Two Corinthians tells us that God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, Jesus is God, he is a good person, he has no sin. He made him to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now righteousness is a big word, but basically it means he makes us good, not because of what we've done, we can pile as much as we want into either side. It doesn't make a heap of the difference. It's all about what Jesus has done. So how we look at our beginnings, how we look at what we do, has huge consequences. And Jesus goes on to say that if you hold on to my teaching, if you're really my disciples, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me.
We live in a world that is full of lies. Thanks, girls. You can go down. Thanks so much for your help. We live in a world that is so full of untruths. Jesus is the truth. Don't be fooled by the lies that you hear. Just because people say them all the time, just because they're published, just because very uh, uh, intelligent people claim certain things, doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Use your yardstick. Use the Bible as your yardstick. Because God cannot tell any lies. It's his word. Don't be fooled by anything else. But I do want to just give you an opportunity to respond to what's been said. You see, maybe you've been living a bit of a lie. But you're only deceiving yourselves. Maybe you've been under the impression that you're a good person, that actually good stuff is all you need to do. But we've seen that from the damage that's caused when we have a fall and that egg breaks... That's irreparable without the cross of Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. All the king's horses and all the king's men might not be able to put that egg together again, but I tell you what, we have a king who can. King Jesus can restore us from that brokenness back to wholeness. So I'm just going to ask if you would just close your eyes and uh, then maybe just as a, an acknowledgement before God, not before anybody else, that if you want to repent of lives that you've been living under, if you want to accept the forgiveness, the wholeness that Jesus brings, then where you are right now, I want to just raise your hand. you're only kidding yourself Jesus wants to restore let's pray Heavenly Father, I thank you that we're not an accident. Thank you, Almighty God, that you are in control of everything. Thank you, Lord, that you see us. Thank you, Lord, that you know things about us that maybe we don't even know ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that it doesn't matter what we've done it doesn't matter what we've thought, what lies we've uh, believed, what lies we've told. Thank you, Lord, that you've paid the price. But Lord, uh, help us to understand that there's a responsibility, there's an accountability that we have. And that is to accept that forgiveness that you give. So Lord, meet us now, I pray. Thank you that we can be born again. Thank you that we can be made whole.